Toronto FC, a team with a new direction after an off-season makeover. It's an all-Canadian affair. Matt working against Morgan. Puts it across the Welcome to the Two Solitudes Podcast. I am exhausted, Dwayne Rollins. Labor Day, yeah, I did lots of labor yesterday <laughs> following the English transfer window in a way that I never really wanted to follow it. But at any rate, uh, Jermaine Defoe remains. Uh, it's a bloody big something. Um, you know, when he leaves, it's going to be sad. We can't do the bloody big puns anymore. Yeah, bloody big mess. Bloody big distraction. Bloody big something. Anyway... <laughs> Bloody um, big, yeah. <laughs> we've got, uh, you know, we talked about it in our special podcast yesterday, and if you haven't downloaded that there, it, it should be available now on Stitcher Radio and iTunes, of course. Uh, we've got Rudy Schuler to give a, a secondary opinion uh, on this as well today, so we're going to just, uh, Kevin, we'll just jump in. We'll bring Rudy on uh, right now, and uh, we'll be right back after this quick break, and then we'll, Kevin and I will discuss it a bit more. And welcome back to the Two Solitudes. I'm Dwayne Rollins, along with Kevin Laramie. Rudy Schuler, the uh, Canadian editor of Goal. I think it's just Goal now. It's not Goal.com anymore, right? That is correct, yeah. We rebranded uh, in 2013, so we're just Goal now, with a pretty little uh, new logo and everything. All right, there you go. From Goal. Rudy, how you doing? I'm not too bad. Uh, just moved into a new place and uh, just getting settled. So uh, I guess the theme of this weekend is big changes, isn't it? Or big changes that don't happen. I don't know. We brought Rudy on. We we booked him originally to talk about the Canadian lineup, and we will get to that because I think there is some important transition happening there, Um, some news on the TFC front with a couple of their players getting held back and and what some people not quite liking that. Uh, We'll get to that at the end of it, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start with the the weekend action at TFC, which uh, started with a terrible... uh, uh, result on Saturday, uh, went through the eighth uh, annual firing of the coach <laughs> and ended with uh, Jermaine Defoe, should he stay or should he go? Uh, let's start with that one, Rudy. Uh, should he stay or should he go? I'm really of two minds about this because uh, over the course of the weekend and over the course of this whole uh, big bloody mess, as people are calling it now, <laughs> uh, That's a good the details are coming out uh, slowly and then they're, they're kind of piling on that. Defoe was kind of the driver behind this. So, you know, uh, I'm, of, I'm of the mind that a, a team shouldn't keep a player that's not wanted, especially if, uh, if some of the figures that were being thrown around for him were true. Uh, they, the TFC would actually be making a little bit of a profit on him, and maybe that's just uh, a good way to wash, uh, wash their hands of the whole thing. But uh, at the same time, you know, they sold this entire season on Defoe's presence, you know, the whole bloody big deal thing. That was for him. That wasn't for Bradley. Bradley was kind of a throw-on at the last minute to him. Uh, you know, we, we don't associate a double-decker bus with the United States, of course, so, you know, that, that's how that goes. But um, 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm really of two minds on this. I, I think uh, on the playing side, they probably should have let him go, and they probably would have made a, a tidy little profit on him. Uh, of course, you know, MLS being what it is, they probably wouldn't be able to turn it around and spend it on an equal or, or, or close to equal amount of, of, of value. Um, it probably would have had to go through all these sorts of channels and allocations and all that other BS, but that's a whole other topic. Uh, but uh, on the marketing and, 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 and fan retention side, I can absolutely see why they, they wanted to keep him here un, uh, until at least January. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's just say uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a pragmatist, and I, I kind of agree with what, what they did uh, simply because the, uh, I think the marketing side outweighs the playing side at this point, if we, at this point in time. Yeah, if you looked at any of the reaction on the usual social media outlets yesterday, I don't know whether they could have sold $650,000 of allocation money uh, real well. <laughs> True. <Yeah. laughs> well, maybe, I don't know, if they start uh, selling allocation uh, jerseys, al, you know, <laughs> apostrophe occasion, that, that could be the highest selling jersey in MLS because it, it seems to be the most popular player being traded between teams and stuff like that, so... Yeah, maybe there's a new T-shirt idea, Kevin. Um, <laughs> I guess the you know we might we talked about the fellow, and we'll get into that a little bit more, I think, in a second. But let's go with the other angle. Uh, was it the right move to to get rid of Nelson at this time? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, a few months back, I remember doing another one of these uh, podcasts and saying that uh, the players, you know, they they they, they love Nelson and they, and they they'd go through a brick wall for him. You know, I, I spoke to quite a few few of the players uh, at that time. I think at the beginning of uh, the summer stretch, um, and uh, yeah, that was my feeling at the time. But uh, as the summer went on, it was very obvious that uh, he was losing that locker room, and he was losing it very quickly. Um, you know, it's 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 not a secret that he's uh, he's not experienced at all when it comes to uh, managing a, a soccer team. Uh, but he is experienced in being in the locker room and the locker room culture, and that and that that uh, only boded well for him so so far. You know, it only took him so far. He couldn't. He couldn't uh, play that buddy-buddy card with the players so much. Eventually, they started uh, seeing through it, especially when the level of professionalism uh, theoretically went up by, by bringing in Defoe and Bradley, guys who have been in, in extremely intense environments and, and extremely impe- competitive environments. They can kind of see the difference walking into TFC uh, or even any, any MLS kind of environment where, where it's a little bit more relaxed. I wouldn't say it's relaxed. I think that's a little bit... Uh, uh, that's looking down on MLS a little too much for my liking, but it's obviously not an EPL uh, environment uh, of of intensity in in in, uh, in training and that kind of stuff, and even the methods and stuff like that. I, I just don't think uh, he was uh, really settled on 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 uh, on, a, on a very professional training regime, and uh, it was more of a man managing thing. And as the losses losses or the poor the poor results started piling in, and uh, pressure started mounting, uh, the players started turning on. So I think absolutely it was a the right the right move at this time. Do you think the loss against New England was the last straw that broke the camel's back, or was it just the perfect timing and the season to recuperate and not having a, too much of a losing streak? I think it was a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, I think uh, the rift between Bezbachenko and, and Nelson was was starting to grow, and uh, Nelson knew Nelson knew that he was uh, that he was on thin ice, and uh, you know when you when you come out with a not just the three nothing performance, <coughs> excuse me, against uh, New England, but also, you know, dropping points against Chicago and 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 a bunch of other uninspiring uh, results that have happened. While other teams below, below them, excuse me again, while other teams below them have uh, have really picked up the pace and started applying pressure and 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 really threatening TFC's playoff spot. I think it was just uh, you know, it, it was it was it was mounting and. Uh, 
it was a little bit of the straw that broke the camel's back, but I think it was also it, it was also a little bit of a long time coming. As I said, the players have started to uh, to kind of tune Nelson out. So um, yeah, I, I just really think it's a, a combination of a whole bunch of factors that uh, that really conspired against Nelson uh, to, to 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 see him through the door. And do you think the way they're going by replacing him with another? Uh, has a little bit more experience, but not hmm. a full experience coach. Uh, what do you think about his replacement, Greg Vanny? Well, I, I think it's the best they could have done on such short notice. Um, I think with TFC, every, t- every uh, coach is interim anyway, so who knows how long he'll be around. But, um, you know, for the last 10 games uh, on, you know, 48 hours notice, I think that's the, the best they could have done uh, without... Uh, you know, breaking some kind of conflict of interest or, 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 or tampering laws or whatever. You know, it depends on what league they're 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 trying to to, uh, to grab another coach from. But uh, you know, I, I still think that uh, he's uh, he's not as permanent as, uh, as TFC's kind of spin it into. I think he he's on a he's on a very temporary basis. And if someone comes better, someone uh, you know in the winter comes along who's much better than him, I think they jump all over that. Uh, Rudy, one name that uh, that jumped out to me that was let go was uh, one of the originals, uh, the original Jimmy Brennan, mm-hmm. who uh, we all sometimes wondered how he kept his job. But uh, just <laughs> what are your thoughts on on the end of the Jimmy Brennan era at TFC? Uh, I don't even know if I really uh, have given it much of a second thought, to be honest. Um, uh, like you, I, I I I wonder what he was doing to stay around so long. Um, you know, he was one of the, it seems like, 18,000 assistant coaches that were under Nelson that didn't really seem to be doing much. Uh, and it's, re- it's actually really telling that uh, another Canadian that was, was kept on in Jason Bent. Uh, I actually noted a few months back that uh, Bent was always the guy who, was, who seemed to be the most active during, uh, during training sessions and, and pregame training sessions and those kinds of things. He, he always seemed to be the guy who was really running the players to their paces while everybody else was on the sideline sharing a laugh kind of thing. So uh, it, it's not surprising to me at all. Uh, it is surprising to me that Brennan st- stuck on so long. I mean, I'm sure he's a nice guy, and uh, I'm sure he loves the club, and he's a, he's a Toronto boy, of course, and all that other stuff. But uh, at some point, you got you got to justify your existence. And uh, if so many people are openly questioning why you're there, then you're obviously not doing it. The smoke and fire and all that. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, to play devil's advocate, I guess, a little bit, to use the voice of, of the outraged fan today, uh, there's a lot of blame. This is a city in Toronto that loves to focus on its general managers. I don't think there's many markets that focus as much on the GM as, as Toronto does. So Bezvichenko, uh today in the last couple of days is, is coming under a lot of fire. Uh, people are calling him, you know, one radio station called him the boob of the day. Uh do you think that the criticism leveled on on Bezvichenko is warranted? Uh, and what are your overall thoughts on his ability to move this team forward? Well, I mean, uh, as for his ability to move the team forward, I I, I don't know yet. You know, I don't think we've seen uh, everything that he can do because uh, I, he he was he when he uh, when he got hired on at TFC he he was uh, placed in there with a coach that he didn't hire uh, with uh, assistant coaches that he didn't that he didn't hire. You know. And a system that uh, he didn't really have anything to do with. You know, he just came in and uh, he was said, "Here, here, here's your role. This is what you're going to do." Uh, whether he's to blame or anything like that, I think uh, no. I think he's well within his rights to, to to change the direction of the team when it's clearly in need of changing. And in my opinion, it's clearly in need of changing. Uh, this is his team now, so the clock is ticking on him. So uh, yeah, I, I. I vehemently disagree that he's the boob of the day or whatever whatever these people who barely follow TFC uh, are, are, are saying about him. 
but um, you know, I just don't think there's enough to uh, fully form an opinion about him yet. I, he's an exceptionally bright guy. When you hear him talk, he he, he knows his stuff, and uh, he, obviously he has a lot of contacts around the league, and he's he's well regarded around around the league. So now it's his time to prove himself. Okay, before I move, I'm going to move on to Canada right after this, but I'm going to get a yes no answer on this. Playoffs. Uh, playoffs, I still say yes. Okay, as do I. Uh, I'll let the Impact fan answer after. Uh, <laughs> Rudy, we'll move it to Canada because I think we can talk about the TFC stuff all day. But uh, and there's lots, lots of uh, lots, lots to watch. I think we're going to have to watch how they play on Wednesday. Um, the Canadian lineup. Were there any great surprises for you in it? Uh, my only surprise is that there there are so many veterans in it. You know, there was a lot of. A lot of players from that infamous eight-one game that are that are back, yeah. but uh, I think that Benito Flores' hand was a little bit forced, uh, given that uh, a lot of the younger, more promising MLS players just aren't available. No, I was so surprised to see four Montreal Impact players make the team. Uh, what would you say is the most surprising return? Would you say that Bernier coming back, or maybe INF Nakajima Ferran? Which one is the most surprising? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, Bernier, actually, I'd, I'd probably say Bernier. I, I think uh, I think Floro is kind of throwing a lot of these older guys a bone, and this will probably be the last time you see them. Maybe, if not the last time, one of the last times. I think uh, Di Rosario, Bernier, those kind of guys, uh, this is kind of the last kick of the can for them, just a, a nice farewell, especially with uh, with Bernier sitting on 49 caps. You know, what a great way to go out uh, by, by by getting your 50th cap and, 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 and capping off a, a, a great national team career for a, a not-so-great national team. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I'm equally surprised by a lot of these guys coming back, but uh, knowing what uh, Floro, the hoops that he had to jump through just to get a team together, I'm not so surprised at the same time. And what would you say is uh, the objective of the game against Jamaica? Uh, if you listen to Floro, it's to win. Uh, I think from here on out, he just wants to learn how to win. Uh, he's had a lot of time to experiment. He's had a lot of time to go through the, the player pool and see what's there and see what's not there. Um, and now I think it's he, 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 he knows that uh, within a year, uh, World Cup qualifying is going to start, so now it's it's to, to instill that winning mentality and 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 start picking up uh, start picking up FIFA ranking points against uh, Concacaf clubs, so that when when the uh, when the World Cup qualifying uh, pools are all set, that Canada is in its best position to 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 advance and best position to succeed. So yeah, I think uh, right now, as of right now and 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 going forward, it's 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 learning how to win and, and learning how to how to how to play to win. So um, hopefully we'll we'll see that uh, starting starting on September 9th. To that end, Rudy, and I mean, you talked about Bernier. Uh, you know, a guy like Dero who hasn't played a lot, and despite mm-hmm. his words that he wants to keep going, it, it does seem like the writing might be on the wall. And I mean, maybe Greg Vanny will use him more. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, do, you, do you like this sort of quasi testimonial sort of idea? Uh, I would have liked it uh, maybe a little earlier uh, into Floro's tenure. I think uh, you know he's been he's been around for a year now, so it's it's. It seems to be a little late to be uh, giving these older guys a little bit of a testimonial slash, you know, one last kind of hurrah kind of thing uh, while you're still trying to uh, figure out what your best team is, you know, because it, the fact of the matter is Canada doesn't play that many games. So you're, you're, you're kind of wasting a little bit of an opportunity to, to, uh, to look at some other guys and see them in, in, in game situations against a, a good CONCACAF nation that they probably had to come up against in qualifying. Uh, on, uh, you're wasting that those spots on guys who have been there and done that and haven't proven successful. Uh, you know, it, it sounds almost hard for me to say it, but you know, <laughs> it's no secret that Canada hasn't been very good at all in 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 in, in soccer over the past you know generations. So this is the generation that had its chance, and 
I think it's time to to, to start uh, looking forward, and I I think this just is it's, it's looking back a little too much for my liking at this yeah. point in 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 Floro's uh, regime. I I called them the selfish generation, which maybe was a bit harsh, but uh, I think fair on the on some of the results. But uh, let's move to real quickly as the last question. Uh, we just saw the U20s wrap up. Uh, Canada made the quarterfinals. They, by all accounts, showed pretty well. Uh, did your opinion of Canada's uh, chances in 2015 change over the last month watching the uh, the young women play? Not really. Uh, I mean, uh, there was there were some standout individual performances that I think uh, a couple of those ladies can 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 jump up on the senior uh, the senior team next year and 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 do a job for John Herdman. But uh, I mean, we all know that. Uh, I mean, anybody who's paid attention to the Canadian women team knows that they're an outside shot, a long shot to do anything in the World Cup uh, next year. Um, I think getting to the semifinals is, is is probably the the best they can even dream of. But uh, anything anything. You know, quarterfinals and up is, is 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 a great accomplishment in my view. Um, but just seeing the way the the style that they played and 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 the results that they got, it's it's pretty much in line with what uh, I thought would happen would, would happen in the U twenties. And um, I'm actually quite uh, pleased with the with the the, the tactics and, and and the the style of play that they're trying to instill. I just think that there's not enough talent and there's not enough uh, resources in this country to to uh, to get any better at this point in time. All right, that's the true bloody big deal, Rudy Schuler from Goal. Uh, thanks, Rudy, for joining us today. No problem. Anytime, guys. Thank you, Rudy. Thanks for listening to the Two Solitude Sucker Podcast with Kevin Larame and Dwayne Rollins. You can reach the guys on Twitter at 24th Minute and at Kevin Larame, or both of them at Two Solitudes Pod. Reach the guys on email, twosolitudespodcast at gmail.com. But especially subscribe on Stitcher Radio. Now back to the show. Thanks again, Rudy, for uh, joining us. Um, good stuff there, as always. Uh, where do you want to start, Kevin? I guess we have two topics here. We will talk about the Canadian lineup a bit. Maybe we'll do, um, I'm thinking out loud here, maybe when we get closer we might do a special preview on that one and bring a couple other voices in uh, so we give it its what it truly deserves because this news in Toronto is kind of overwhelming everything right now. Absolutely. Uh, You're right. We'll, we'll, we'll plan that and watch our Twitter feed for uh, for details, maybe Thursday. Um, however, let's, let's stick with TFC news then. Um you know, a day has sunk in, and I, I guess the first place to start is the Defoe stuff. And, and you know, Rudy mentioned it there. Uh, the longer this went in, the more it became indic- in, the more indications were out there that uh, Defoe was the one pushing this. The TFC is not looking to sell him, but he's saying, "Sell me." So, what are they supposed to do at that point? No, exactly. And it was one of the third the third hypothesis we talked about on Sunday was that maybe Defoe wanted to go because it was butting Edward Nelson, and you have a choice. You either go with the player or you go with the coach. And obviously they decided to be with the player and they fired the coach. It was one of the hypotheses we talked about. And it was the, for me, I thought it was the, the least likely. And when everything got unfolded yesterday, it seems like it was, that was the right one. Yeah, uh, well certainly there was some um, indication that uh, perhaps uh, they spoke to Defoe. Uh, Defoe and Bradley were both uh, indicating that they, uh, and I'm going to talk about Michael Bradley in the final segment, don't you worry folks, because I have some things to say about Michael Bradley in the final segment. However, um, you know, it seemed that they they basically were, had tuned uh, Nelson out, like Rudy said. So, and to me, 
I agree with Rudy. I don't know what else they could have done other than what they did yesterday. They likely had an internal line of some financial amount uh, working with MLS that they had in mind that they would have taken for him. If you were reading most of the British uh, reports, and take them like a mountain of salt, right? Like there is a lot of hyperbole in the in British transfer reporting because their 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 media ethics are a little looser, as we all know. Anyone who's been alive in this generation knows uh, it's about creating clicks, it's clickbait, it's selling newspapers, it's about dramatic headlines. So when you saw a lot of that stuff out there, you have to take it with a grain of salt. But then again, it's been confirmed on this end that there were three teams interested. I think those were Arsenal on the loan, uh, QPR, and which is the team that was seen most likely willing to buy outright, and uh, Leicester City, which is also involved as well. So, you know... I think that what I was reading and reading between the lines yesterday, there were a lot of it. There was a lot of interest of taking him on a loan, and TFC was uninterested in that. Yeah. They needed a big paycheck from it, and I you got to give them some credit for that. That they have this PR disaster on their hands, and at that point in time, you could have a sulking guy that comes back that his his groin quote unquote injury may not recover the rest of the year. You never know; like he could end up just pouting in England and taking his month paycheck and and not coming back uh, using the guise of an injury for the rest of the year. This could happen. So in some ways, it might have been easier for TFC to rip the Band-Aid off, so to speak, and take the money, but they chose not to because they didn't feel they were going to get enough back. And I think they deserve some credit for that. Absolutely. And if they would have just loaned him out and wait comes back next year, he might have lost half his value, and then you would lose money, or Major League Soccer would have lost money on that transfer. So you're right, for at least once, they stick to their guns and... Financially, it makes sense, that decision. Yeah, and look, I mean, there's a lot of talk about that he's going to, you know, 100% go in January, and I agree that there is a good chance that they may uh, cut ties in, in January if the player truly is just doesn't want to come back at all and they can't convince him. Um, if that's the case, then to me, a lot of criticism, you can give some criticism for TFC for not doing due diligence, Tim Lewicki, you know, saw something he, he liked and uh, and went at it without really figuring out whether that person equally liked them back. You know what I mean? Like, there's some credit criticism to give out there. But at the same time, a lot of criticism has to go to the player. That's not very professional. It's not understanding the North American market, too. In, in Europe, having a short transfer like this, like, you think about it from his perspective, from a European perspective. This is, in his mind, like going to, a, like, a championship club to get some playing time. And then, you know, he'll go back to the Premier League after after he's done. You know, when the World Cup thing didn't work out, he was hoping he might get noticed. It uh, didn't work out, so now he's going to try and go back to the to a lower-level lower team in the Premier League. Well, no, that's not how it works over here. You come to North America to MLS, you should know, and your agent should be aware that they expect you to come and, and fulfill your contract over here. It's not quite the same. We don't live in a buy-sell kind of North American sports market. That's not how it works exactly over here. Yes, MLS is a bit unique in that it's part of the overall football market in the world, but it's still not in that buy-sell equation like the rest of the world. And, and Defoe was either misinformed or chose to ignore that when he came over here, and he deserves a lot of criticism for that. I, I would be a little disappointed if he gets a hero's welcome back to Toronto in a couple of weeks if he does come back. No, and I agree with you, especially with the fan, the, the fan mindset on that. When you sign a contract with a team, when you're transferred to a team, they expect you to fulfill it, and they will really have a sour taste in their mouth if you turn your back on them, because that's how they're going to 
that's how they will take it. They'll feel that you turned their back on them. Imagine if Defoe just stays in England. Literally, the whole Toronto will hate Defoe for the rest of his playing career. Well, a lot of them will, yes. But there was, there is a, a subsection of Toronto fans that are inclined to give 100% of the blame to uh, to TFC on all occasions, regardless of circumstance. There, they, Those people exist. There are still... Although I am someone who has forgiven, uh, quote-unquote, if you can do that as a fan, uh, Dwayne Di Rosario, I still think he was to blame for how he went out. And there are a lot of people that, that uh, both for his uh, little Scottish vacation that he took without informing the club, um, and for the, the check signing thing. But the thing is, a lot of TFC fans to this day think that D-Row did nothing wrong because TFC is just the worst thing that ever existed and that even though they go and watch this team and cheer for it, they think everything it does is wrong. It's going to be a subsection of people within the TFC fan base that thinks that Defoe is doing nothing wrong and clearly he's just being intelligent and he's just seen this inside of this beast and said, i got to get out of here right away without giving any blame or any thought whatsoever to the possibility that maybe he's the one being unprofessional, and this is my issue. Joel Plata is another guy. He left in the dead of night, and there are still fans here in Toronto that think that, that it was Earl Cochran's fault that a guy just you know took his agent's advice and got in a plane and went back to Ecuador without telling the club. Like This is the kind of absurd uh, blame that TFC fans sometimes place on management. Management here has made a lot of mistakes, there is no doubt, but that does not mean that they are 100% wrong 100% of the time. You know, covering soccer for the last couple of years, Dwayne, um, I'm always surprised by how the transfer market and all those shenanigans happen behind the scenes. It's almost always things out of movies, out of spy movies, and it's it always surprises me. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shady little business, and with the third party ownership stuff that in there as well. Which Did you heard about just just a, a small uh, apropos uh, Cote? Uh, Jorge Mendes, uh, the manager of players, yesterday made thirty two million in one day. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, there's to, to Google tapping up. I mean, there's lots of dodgy stuff that has happened in the world of football forever. Uh, there were lots of rumors here in Toronto for a while, and that's you know at risk of getting sued. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's a dodgy world. It's a, it's a big money world, and where there's big money, there's going to be people that are going to try and take advantage of it. Uh, you know, that's the whole agent world. They, they work on their commissions, and they don't get commissions if they're not being sold. So the agents have it in their best interest to constantly have players flipping teams. Loyalty does not pay off. Loyalty doesn't pay the bills in, in the world of, of football, right? So that's where we're at, and that's why teams that, that can sustain uh, solid course for long periods of time are really rare, and they're generally, you know, a handful of teams that are at the very top and, and world-known that can do that, and, and the rest are just sort of battling around for it. MLS is kind of in a unique position for that because it's a different market, it's a different kind of philosophy in sports, and that's why MLS is so confusing to people outside of North America, because it doesn't always work the same way that the rest of the world does. Yeah, it's always sometimes confusing for people in North America, so can you imagine? Well, it's confusing to the people in the league sometimes. <laughs> That's a different topic altogether. Um, you know, taking this back to the field, this is my thought. If Jermaine Defoe has any brains in his head, he's going to come back and he's going to perform to his best of his abilities. Because if he just sits and pouts, then his stock is going to fall even further, and he's going to fall even further out of the attention and the mindset of, of everyone. I mean, it's one thing for for Ari to uh, say that he's going to go at him hard again in January right now, but the lot can happen in four months in football. So 
Uh, he needs to come back, and if he truly wants to get out of Toronto, truly wants to get out of MLS, he needs to come back and perform. And in some levels, from a purely like sort of cynical, pragmatic level, that might be the best thing for TFC, for him to come back, be pissed that he's still here, yeah. understand that he needs to perform, and for him to score a boatload of goals so that he can get out to the highest uh, bidder possible in January, that might get them in the playoffs. It might even get them a win in the playoffs, and, and that's, um, I think, what they need to do so that they can quietly cut ties in January. If you were in the shoes of Canadian Soccer Association, was is it in the worst timing for that type of stuff to happen? It overshadowed uh, in the media and literally in the landscape of the soccer world this weekend, the whole Canada versus Jamaica game. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, look, this isn't the first time that TFC has caused pain to the Canadian soccer community. Um, in some ways, TFC is the worst thing that ever happened to the Canadian soccer community. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, that's uh, a lot of history there for that. Um, all right. Uh, as I said, we're going to talk about uh, the Canadian game in detail, and uh, if it works for you, Kevin, we'll do it Thursday, and uh, we'll book a guest, and we'll have a real talk. We'll focus entirely on that and give them the due they deserve. But before we move on from TFC and from this mess in the last couple of days, I guess we should talk about uh, Nelson and Vanny one last time. Um, there is a lot of people that want to throw Greg Vanny under the bus right now and Tip Bezbachenko with him right now. There is a lot of people in Toronto that don't want to give them any sort of rope. Um, I don't think you have much choice at this point. TFC fans, you either you know or stay with this team or you walk away for good. Uh, Greg Vanny isn't that bad of a hire. Uh, he could have been a little more experienced, true, but he's not completely inexperienced. He's been an assistant coach. He's ran academies. Uh, he has the badges, unlike Nelson. So, you know, here we are. Yeah, is it better? Not better, but you, like you said, you don't have a choice. So might as well give him a little leeway and see what he can do. Or, yeah. as other people say, give him ropes. You can hang yourself with him. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I do think that he is an interim uh, appointment that is being called a full-time appointment for optic reasons, uh, that they wanted to give him... You know, and I understand that, too. A lot of people disagree with that. give him a fair chance, yeah. It's to give him a fair chance at a locker room as well, yeah. Yeah, you, you walk in there with a bunch of professionals like that, and they think that you're a sitting doc. They're not necessarily going to buy into you. But if they think that you're coming in as the full-time hire, then they really have no choice if they want to stick with it. Um, so I, I think that this does provide them with the best chance to move forward. I do also think, uh, like Dasovic a few years ago, like Chris Cummins a few years ago, uh, that this is a hire that is, is that if he can if he's not successful in the next two months he's probably going to walk the plank with the rest of them at the end of this year too, and uh, they're going to do a full search in the off season. And the thing that the last word I'm going to give on the coaching, and I've said this all the way through this, when you know you kind of have to be careful what you wish for sometimes when it came to getting rid of Nelson. Um, I like Rudy just sort of saw the writing on the wall for the past couple weeks and knew that unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because I don't like the constant turnover in coaching at TFC. I'm sure you feel the same way about Montreal. Um, but I understood at the same time, like you were damned if you do, damned if you don't, because he needed to go. He wasn't performing anymore. No, and like you said, he lost his locker room a couple weeks ago. So yeah, it was uh, it was time to move on. Yeah, and we're going to talk a bit about that in a minute when I break down that disaster of a game on Saturday. Um, I'm going to talk about Michael Bradley's performance in that game a little bit, too, and uh, what that maybe indicated. So uh, we're far from done this conversation. Um, we'll uh, take a quick break now, though, and we'll talk about the impact in the Whitecaps as well. Not a great day for the Whitecaps, but it was a good day for the impact, which helped TFC. Thanks, Kevin. And uh, we'll, we'll be back right after this. And yes, the wait is finally over. Teespring.com slash Two Solitudes Podcast. 
you can get the official unattached FC shirt. Yes, you can finally represent the most consistent feeder club of the Canadian men's national team history. You can finally walk around the street and be able to walk around with pride for the one of the most famous club in Canadian history. Yes, the wait is over. Teespring.com slash Two Solitudes Podcast. $25 well invested in the future of Canadian broadcasting in the world of soccer. While supplies last, shipping not included. And welcome back to the Two Solitudes Podcast. Before we get into more negative in Vancouver and Toronto's case, uh, we'll talk a little bit of positive, and we'll start with that. We'll talk about the impact after I do the most important piece of news of all. That is the Two Solitudes bump continues for FC Edmonton. 3-0 and since our Colin Miller interview. Big win over the first place uh, Minnesota team, the team that won the first half of the season. Puts Edmonton straight there into a playoff battle. And uh, as I said earlier, I'd love to see a playoff game up in the frozen tundra of Edmonton. Uh, there's a good chance there, and uh, that's good for them. So they won 2-1. Uh, Ottawa wasn't quite as lucky uh, that they dropped a result uh, 2-0 to uh, Fort Lauderdale this weekend. So uh, unfortunate there, but good result for the Eddies, and we'll continue to cheer them on and continue to point out that they're undefeated since they came on. Mark Dos Santos, you know what to do. <laughs> We're right there. Phone number's available. Perfect day. We guarantee it. Um, let's talk about the impact. And first off, as a Trump as a TFC fan... Uh, we got to thank you after the disastrous weekend we had. You kept Columbus off our back, so so thank you for helping uh, the TFC playoff uh, push. Unfortunate consequence to a beautiful game, and especially beautiful performance by Mr. Nacho Piatti. Yeah, in the first goal, if you haven't seen it, it's a beautiful little cutback uh, uh, goal of the week type stuff there. Uh, tends, goal of the week tends to be shots from 60 yards. That seems to be the only way you can win a goal of the week unless you're Seattle or Portland. A la Robbie um, Keane. Yeah, but at any rate, it was a beautiful goal, and, and it would have my vote if I if I had a vote. Uh, also of interest, there were five uh, five goals by former TFC players this weekend, so, you know, there you go. Um, Kevin, from your perspective, uh, the impact perspective there, uh, what what did that result take? Did it give you hope uh, that that signing is going to work out and, and turn this yeah. team around for 2015? Oh, yeah, big time. You see, now usually when we see DP arrive, we see a certain moment of brilliance, but he never takes over a game in the first season, especially not in his third game. That's what he did on Saturday. Took over a game, took the ball, runs for 70 yard, makes a little juke move, got three defender on him, cuts back, makes a shot. The goaltender thought he was going uh, uh, near post. That's what everybody goes into major, in Major League Soccer. But no, he crossed it far post, couldn't do nothing, did it twice in the whole game in the extra time as well. So 2 nothing Montreal, 2 nothing Piatti. Uh, just, he took over, literally. And we haven't seen a midfielder play like this in Montreal ever. And we haven't seen a lot of them in Major League Soccer as a whole. Yeah, and certainly he does seem like a skilled player. The only question we have is, you know, his commitment long term. Uh, has that come up at all since, or is that completely forgotten right now? This been swept under the rug. Haven't heard about it for the last week and a half. And I think it's good that way. The guy talks on the pitch. Since he had three assists, two goals in three games, it's just best debut you can think of for a DP that I can remember in that in uh, in midseason DP. Usually, when January transfers, it's a little different reason. You get the whole 
training camp. But for mid-season transfer in Major League Soccer, uh, best impression I've seen. And it looked like the crowd was a little bit better the other day as well. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Mm-hmm. But you can... There's a, a lot of reason to explain crowds that are dwindling in the dog days of July and August in Montreal. It's the type of city where a lot of people go to college and to the cottage and stuff like that. The routine is setting back in, and I expect to see good crowds here on out, especially if we continue to have a Piatti show. But I expect a decent crowd for the rest of the season. It's not much of a playoff uh, chase. I think that's too far gone if they'd have to pretty much win out the season, but... Uh, Even winning out the season doesn't guarantee a playoff spot, I think. Yeah, it, I think that uh, they have to understand that at this point. I think most fans would. Uh, CCL, uh, any more excitement about that now that you've seen this uh, action? Do you, do you have confidence that uh, New York will be uh, beatable? That's all we... Ex- that's what we need to do. We need to beat New York in the home and away series because they're going to beat uh, uh, the other city fast for sure. They're going to beat the Guatemalan team easily. So we need to either go differential or just beat them twice. Or, but it all depends if New York are the supporters should race or where they are in the standings. It's it's New York's group to lose because they have the better roster in quote. It's depending what they want to do with it. Exactly, and uh, you do have one other sort of uh, uh, thing you can chase. Uh, you play Toronto on the 18th of October, which could very well be a game that either puts TFC into the playoffs or not. So even a though year you're removed, we might do the same thing you did to us. Yeah, you, you, even though you helped uh, the TFC a cause yesterday, or something I should say, then maybe you'll have a chance to hurt it on the 18th. And I'm sure that uh, there's going to be a big crowd from what I've heard coming down from Montreal for that game. Uh, so we'll see how that one works out. About 1,500, 2,000, I would expect. Yeah, in BMO too. So it'll be interesting to see what that stadium looks like. The, they've held back. Uh, I think they're going to put you in the north end. Uh, they've held back what they normally hold the group sales for. Uh, thank you for uh, Impact doing the same thing for Toronto FC a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a little bit of cooperation. That's the funny thing. People always look at this rivalry, and the thing is, off the pitch, there's not much of a rivalry there. They, they kind of work together a lot, and they have in this particular case for the benefit of the fans, so I guess we can't complain too much. Yeah, exactly. It's behind the scenes. There's three teams in the country. They have to work together in a way. And speaking of three teams, uh, the last team in the country, not the last, but, but the other team, uh, Vancouver did not win either. Yeah, a big, that terrible loss in the Cascadia Derby for them, uh, 3-0 uh, to Portland. Uh, Portland uh, now pushes themselves, uh, I believe, sorry, I'll, let me just quickly check as I talk, and I believe that did push them above the, the Whitecaps, or at least equal with the Whitecaps in the standings. Uh, the Whitecaps are a team that, Tends to not lose. They that was their sixth loss of the year, but it, which makes them like the second best in terms of that category in the league. However, they they don't win enough either, and that's always been the thing. And the question I would have on a week that we saw an inexperienced manager in Ryan Nelson let go, whether or not there's any questions about Carl Robinson at this point and his inability to sort of have this team play aggressive enough on the road, have this team sort of break down and get that killer instinct at the end. All of these sort of things are unfair in a lot of ways to ask these questions, but these are questions that are going to get asked. Uh, Carl Robinson came in with very little experience, and, and if they don't get, if he doesn't get the Whitecaps to the playoffs, the Whitecaps, like every other team in Canada, tends to be a little trigger happy on the coach fire thing. I don't know. Do you think Carl Robinson would be in trouble? I think he might be. They need to make the playoffs. They really do. They need to, with the roster they have and the energy they bring to the pitch. I know they're still pretty young. They're a young team. 
but eventually you need to put result. But in the standing, they're six, but they have a game in hand against Portland, which are one point ahead of them. So, but they're 131 points per game for Portland, 132 for the White Cavs. So it's really, really tight. And they need to put a couple wins together to uh, overpass them and maybe create a little gap there in fifth yeah, position. Absolutely. And they are three points up on Colorado, which is a team that is kind of slumping now. Um, in the Voyagers Cup race, they are tied. They're equal points with TFC with 33. Uh, so long as TFC doesn't continue to implode down the stretch, they do have a weaker schedule. You would think that TFC would still be the moderate favorite to win the Voyagers Cup spot. Uh, it's not the Voyagers Cup, I'm, I'm misspeaking. To win the Canadian CCL spot, uh, which will be awarded to the highest winning finisher in, in MLS this, this year uh, because of the change in schedule based on the 2015 uh, Women's World Cup next year. But at any rate, uh, that's where we stand there on the standings. Uh, the Whitecaps well, cannot buy a ticket for that tournament. With all their might they're trying to, they cannot even get it when it's just a regular season. I have this sneaky feeling that, uh, that something bizarre will happen on the 18th of October and, and cause the Whitecaps to, to somehow miss the Voyager's Cup. The CCL spot again. Oh, like no. Late, late goal to draw or something like that. Peter <laughs> will be, like, crying somewhere in the rain. It'll be... Anyway. Um, Southsiders will be bringing banners. Je me souviens. I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of inside stuff here for the, uh, the I, I, Americans make, like to make fun of. They call it their tickle flight sometimes, as some of them do for the uh, the Voyagers Cup for the CCL spot. But uh, I think if you look at the it's in the history and sort of the drama that's happened in the Canadian Championship, compare it to the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, we got it going on up here. So at any rate, that's yep. that's just my last thing. Uh, U.S. Open Cup final coming up next week. Seattle next month, Seattle and uh, Philadelphia. That'll be interesting. But uh, Seattle's going to back to their winning uh, tradition of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Which yeah, four the, years ago, the last not the last two years, but before that, won four in a row. So, yeah, and they will have won one more game to to win it. Then you need to win the the Voyagers Cup. So, let's be honest about how hard it is to win the U.S. Open Cup. However, uh, that's me getting a little bit uh, offside on that one. Uh, it's probably avoiding talking about Toronto anymore. But anyway, yeah. Well, what happened in Toronto this week? And I, I think it all started with a with a game against the Revolution, and then a revolution happened. Well, it was good for 90 seconds or so. <laughs> uh, literally, I think it was 1.36, as I want to say, was what the time was on the clock, because I was staring straight at it. It's like, oh, cool, well, that's a good start. Thank you, Ray. Look, they, there's lots of examples in the world of sports of teams that decide to just push the coach out the door by an effort that was pathetic. And that's what I'll have to say. I think Ryan Nelson needed to go, but I absolutely have a lot of criticism towards the way that that team showed up. And by showed up, I mean didn't show up. Especially the guy that's supposed to be their spiritual leader, the bald guy running around the middle, Michael Bradley, (laughs) shit the bed on Saturday. He was terrible. The second goal especially. I want anyone to go out there and watch that second goal. He gave up the ball in the middle of the field, took two light jogs to the side and watched as they put the ball, as the shot went in for 35 yards. It was a pathetic display from a guy that's supposed to be a leader. And I know Michael Bradley has a lot of great qualities. And I know Michael Bradley can be a leader at times, but that's not leadership at that point. That is unprofessional. And he deserves a lot of criticism for the way he played on that weekend because he gave up to get rid of a coach. And I don't think that there's any excuse for that. I don't care if it was the right thing. You need to go out and perform when that, when it matters because that was just pathetic. Playing devil's advocate, do you think it was a conscious non-effort on their part to get rid of the coach? Well, it's, I think it's always subconsciously that they do it. I don't think that they go out looking to lose, but I don't think that excuses it. 
I think they need to be fully motivated. They need to be on, especially a game like that. They could have, had they won that game and gone to 36 points and kept New England on 30, 30 points, that would, it wouldn't have clinched a playoff spot by any means, but they would have been all but in. Really, that would have put them six points up with just a ten-game stretch in. They would have uh, put like a, their one of their chief rivals for that final playoff spot would have been been hurt by that result, and it would have been a very statement result. Instead, now you're looking at a home and home with Philly, where Philly is now saliva is running out of their mouth. They're so excited to chomp at TFC. They have a chance to to knock them down and really pull them back and below that that red line pull them down below the water so they start drowning. Then that's, they set it up all for that. So, look, they have a lot to prove on this home-and-home. Home. I, I don't think any TFC fan should be at all happy if there's any less than four points on the board at the end of it. Oh, yeah, probably. Do you think that uh, Bradley is back in good, positive vibes now that Nielsen is gone? Well, you'd hope. Um, you know, I, I don't like to play amateur shrink, I'm just observing what I saw out there, so I can't tell you what what's inside his head, but I can tell you that his result was not acceptable, and I would hope as a professional that he would understand that uh, and would be a little embarrassed by it when he, after the fact, especially that second goal. That is not something anyone anyone who's played at his level should have should have given the ball away that easily and should have not tracked back as, as pathetically as that. So there's just no excuse. They just need to step it up. They, they've gotten rid of their coach now. And so whenever you get rid of the coach, you, you have to show them that it's on you then. They, the pressure is on them. And there were a lot of muttering in the stands. When he gave that ball away, he made a pass uh, in front of the south end, right, you know, a few minutes after he gave the ball away for the second goal, and there were raspberry cheers that he successfully made a pass. There's People are starting to, to say oh, look, it's a $2.5 million pass there. Like, that money's going to start to come out, and Toronto, God love it, will eat its young if they don't think that high-paying athletes are performing. Are they going to turn on him? Well, they might if he stoops, if he doesn't pick up the play. There already is a significant undercurrent of people out there that believe that he isn't playing to his full abilities. And if you look at his stats, I like to be statistically oriented, his like his two score ratings in the middle of the pack. Like he's not performing statistically and on the measures at a level that would necessarily correspond with someone who's at a deep is. Defoe is the second highest rating player on who score rating, but but Bradley's like eighth or something like that. And this is a guy that's the highest paid player that's supposed to be the long term sort of uh, spiritual leader of the team. So there's just a lot of questions about about Bradley's play. And I think a lot of it can be explained by uh, fatigue. Yeah, I was going to say overexertion with the World Cup and all that. Yeah, he's got the World Cup, but he played brilliantly before the World Cup, there's no doubt. Um, You know, a lot of it, even as we talked about last week with with Dempsey and, and his struggles, I think we talked about in the special edition, actually, uh, to not really uh, have its full effect as a DP until the second season after he got a bit of a rest. I think you'll see the same thing with Bradley. I'm by no means suggesting that Bradley's a poor player. I'm by no means suggesting that TFC fans should be like, oh my God, we've overpaid for him, because I think he is uh, capable of being a true leader out there. I'm just saying that his his effort on Saturday was unacceptable, and I don't think that we can excuse that. I don't think that we should um, burn him at the stake for it. I think that we should recognize that it was a was a piss poor effort, and we should expect that him, as a supposed leader of this team, uh, move forward and not have it happen again because it's not acceptable, even if you don't like your coach. And that's that's my final word on Michael Bradley. We need to see more. And 
outside of that, what does Toronto need to uh, stop the losing streak right now? Uh, they need goals. Uh, they didn't score, score any goals on the weekend. Uh, they need to tighten up defensively, and I think that that's actually the, the biggest thing. And when I say tighten up defensively, I'm not talking about the back line. I'm talking about the midfield. I think that there are a lot of gaps in that middle of the park, which are putting undue pressure on that back line. I said this a few weeks ago uh, when they were when um, Haglin and Henry were burnt for for three goals uh, in one of the prior games. That a lot of that had to do with Nelson not adjusting his tactics to recognize what was out there in the pitch. Uh, I would hope, and it's a short time to turn it on, but I would hope that they recognize that the defensive shortcomings are not just about your center halves, and they're also about the overall play of this team, and, this, the, and, and especially around this team's inability or unwillingness to to hold the ball in important times of the game. I mean, it's one thing to have a lot of possession when you're down two goals, but when you start a game at home and you're letting a team dominate the first 20 minutes until they get up 2-0, that's, that's going to, of course, cause a lot of pressure on your back line. Um, so to me, that they just need to tighten up on all aspects of that, and they need to they need to find a way to get forward so that they're getting their their strikers the ball in positions where they are more likely to be successful. Uh, they have two months now. This is a very very important two month stretch for TFC. I can't stress that enough. Both from like the maintaining Defoe perspective. I mean, if they do go out and the, the style turns around and suddenly he's happy and winning, then then maybe he sticks around for a couple more years or all, all four years. But it's more than that. They if they lose Defoe in January and they fail to make the playoffs, I mean, it's going to be a ghost town in their Beemo Field. There's no there's no fifth chance with this team. You know, there will be the same diehards that will go out there. The team's not going to die. There's enough people that that are diehards that it's going to stick around, but it will never ever have the potential to be mainstream in this this city again, at least not for years and years and years, and not until they actually win a championship somehow. So this is a, a vital two months, and it starts with the, the home-and-home with Philly. I agree. All right. Um, that's a big, a lot of ranting, a bloody big rant there. So uh, we'll, we'll call it a day, Kevin. Uh, thanks again to Rudy. Uh, we'll set up and uh, we'll announce it on our Twitter feed when we're going to have the uh, the special edition for the Canadian national team game, which is uh, next Tuesday in in Toronto. Um, and we'll uh, have a five rings uh, tomorrow as well. So until that time, Kevin, I'll let you say goodbye. Well, get your unattached FC t-shirt right now, teespring.com slash two solitudes podcast. And until then, have a great soccer. Thanks for listening to the Two Solitude Soccer Podcast on Stitcher Radio with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramie. Subscribe to the show on Stitcher Radio. Listen to the show on Stitcher Radio. Stitcher Radio, Stitcher Radio. Would you just please subscribe to the show on Stitcher Radio? Thank you very much for subscribing to the show. And now, back to the show on Stitcher Radio. Coming soon on Stitcher Radio.